Hey, welcome to Brace Country. On this episode, the Kentucky Headhunters were once considered the dark horse of country music due to their huge country radio press and fan following that the band had achieved despite their rock sound and rural southern style. Now, they're simply considered one of the most influential southern country rock bands in history. The Kentucky Headhunters have released eight studio albums, 23 singles. Their version of Oh Lonesome Me went to number eight on Billboard's Hot Country Charts in 1990. They've won three CMA awards, including being nominated for Vocal Group of the Year twice, an ACM award, a Grammy in 1990 for the best country performance by a duo or group for their double platinum album, Picking on Nashville, and they're still going strong. The Kentucky Headhunters' newest album titled That's a Fact, Jack, was released last year, and they've announced a big summer and fall tour. Now, that ain't a bad country career for a southern rock band from Glasgow, Kentucky. Started off in the 70s with a totally different name while recording for Led Zeppelin's Swan Song record label. What? Amazing. And here to explain how all that happened and more is one of the founding members of the Kentucky Headhunters, the one and only Mr. Richard Young. This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah, Georgia, servicing the historic downtown Savannah area, the island area, and Atlanta's beach, beautiful Tybee Island, Georgia. Call Joel Solomon today, 912-604-0896. That's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the Georgia coast. Braves Country also sponsored by Smith's Old Bar, best live music venue in Atlanta since 1994, located in the heart of Midtown at 1578 Piedmont Avenue. Smith's Old Bar is a neighborhood joint for everyone. Check out smithsoldbar.com for the current concert calendar and tickets. See y'all at Smith's. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Richard, welcome to Braves Country. Let me let me pull my britches up real quick, man. I'll be right back with you. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. I love it. All right. <clears throat> Seems like a heck of a day to me. Yeah, it's like we're on the tour bus already. That's right. <laughs> Put your britches on. Here they come. Sorry about that, boys. Hey, man. <laughs> I just jumped out of the shower, and uh, I timed it. Seems like just right. It's a good thing we didn't do Zoom call. That's right. We don't need to see that, sir. We see no, that, we sir, see nobody nothing. does. It's pitiful. <laughs> I used to be a decent-looking chap back in the 60s and 70s, but, uh, you know, when you get married, you give up running around and all this stuff, and yeah. and you kind of get all that, uh, I mean, we, you know, mom was great, mom, our mama was the best cook in this area, and but we never we never got fat because we, uh, you know, we was running back and forth, you know, wild men. You are a bunch of wild men. I've seen it firsthand out there on the road. You're wild men. Doug, how are you this morning? Buddy, if I was any better, I don't know what I'd do with myself. Well, I know. I, I thought that, too. I'm, I'm 67 right now, and I feel like I'm 21. I love it. 
and that's an important thing. And uh, I, I hear that you've had quite a a, a, a life too. You uh, um, retired from the Navy. I, I, well, I served. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't retire, but uh, but I did get discharged with an honorable discharge. So that's uh, about as good as I can hope for. Well, that's good. And then you've been in radio yourself for many years. Yes, sir. About about twenty years. And and you know it's funny because. It was because of my daddy, who I lost a couple years ago. God rest his soul. He was a great man, and uh, and and he is the reason that I love country music the way I do today. And we listened to Kentucky Headhunters records like they were going out of style. Great man. Well, I I do appreciate that. You know, and I can appreciate the thing about your father because my brother's a drummer in our band. Fred and I, our father, uh, taught school thirty nine years, and he. Uh, he was a, uh, you know, a very, very special guy in this area. He taught kids, loved him, and, and you know, it wasn't. A, uh, once he retired, people would come to the house and visit him that, that he had taught and thanked him for making an impression on him. So, I totally, totally understand where you're coming from. I know, uh, you know, <clears throat> I have a son that has a big rock band, the Blackstone Cherry. Nice. Yeah. And uh, also, guys, before I forget to tell you. You know, I'm managing a rock band from Georgia now. I did yeah, not. I knew that. The, the Georgia Thunderbolts. The, the Georgia Thunderbolts. I love them. We played down in Swanee, Swanee or somewhere down in there and uh, at a at a fair, an ag fair. And these kids opened for us. And I was on the back of the bus and, and uh, had the window open a little bit. And I was working on computer and phones. And these kids kicked in. And I remember saying to myself, we might ought to turn the steam up a little bit tonight. <laughs> and then and then that singer opened his mouth, TJ. I thought, good Lord, have mercy. Uh, I ran out the stage. I watched the whole set, and I asked them when they got done. I said, now, boys, what are y'all going to do with this? And they said, oh, we're going to be lifers like y'all on Blackstone Cherry. And I said, well, come on, then. Let's make an album and see if we can get something stirred up. I like y'all. That's awesome. Yeah, I never dreamed, y'all. Sure enough, in a million years after I helped my son's band get going, I got them a record deal. Of course, they they blew up huge over in Europe, and it's where their main thing at. I mean, they're big in America, but they're they're extra, extra yeah. cats that, over there. That Blackstone, but, uh, the Blackstone Cherry, they play basketball arenas over there in Europe. Yeah, they sure do man and uh, i know that for covid uh them and the group guns and roses had a dual gig together and had 120,000 people good heavens <clears throat> yeah i mean it's that's a download festival of course but but anyway what I, I was beating around the bush about something i wanted to tell you about i got off of my dad for a second i wanted to explain that you know i wouldn't fly for 34 years and when blackstone cherry kept going over and doing all these great things with the music and and uh, exposing kentucky and edmonton where we're from and all this, and people would come up to them and say, wow, you guys are great. Now, when's your dad's band going to come over? And they would say, well, probably never because Daddy won't fly. <laughs> and I hadn't flown for 34 years, and they kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. And you know how sometimes, boys, you'll say uh, you say uh, yes to something, just get people to shut up? Yes, sir, I do. <laughs> really make, you know the feeling. And most of the time it works. Well, it didn't work this time because <laughs> my son, John Fred, called me, and he said, Daddy, you ain't going to believe it, man. I, said, I told him, I said, okay, just go see if you can find some shows, and we'll go over there. And I meant the U.K. Well, they come back and said, Daddy, we got you a gig. 
playing with Queen over in Sweden. What? The group Queen. Yeah. They're headlining, and y'all are going to be one of the other three bands on this festival that day. And I, I broke out in a cold sweat. I didn't sleep for three months <laughs> worrying about getting on that airplane. And actually, what we did, <clears throat> I went to school with a little girl. Pam Sane, she was Pam Moser when we grew, graduated from high school, and she went to college at Western, and then her and all of her sisters moved to uh, Atlanta, Marietta area. We've always kept in touch and close friends, but I called Pam because she she's retired almost now, a stewardess with American Airlines. And I said, Pam, would you fly over there to England and hold my hand or to Sweden? And she said, yeah, Richard, I'll, I'll only fly international now, but I'll make sure I'm working that day. And I'll I'll beat you at the airport, and I will, you'll be fine. I'll, I'll be one of the stewardesses. That's awesome. And, you know, we're right here in Marietta at the uh, the Braves Radio Network, I mean, where the new ballpark is. I mean, we, we probably live right next to Pam. Well, yeah, I can't remember. I think they're over somewhere right in that Marietta, this area. But speaking of Marietta, boys, now here's a good one for you. Is you know the headhunters have lived in Kentucky here on the farm. We live on a big farm right here, and we've lived here uh, all of our lives. And and the farm part of it's been our family since the Revolutionary War. You know, I've never lived anywhere, but I lived in Marietta, Georgia, for six months. Had a boy. Well, when we were called Itchy Brothers, see, and from '68 to '81, our grandmother bought an extra hundred acres to add on the farm in 1968 and we were just getting started and it had a little farmhouse down there on the creek that ran through our farm and the people was wanting to rent it you know and she didn't want to fool with it so she got the bright idea to let her two grandsons and their two cousins move in this house and we had our little itchy brother group so we had our own house when we were not even adolescents basically we got quite good pretty early, so once we got out of high school, the guy by the name of Tom Long that used to work for ASCAP, he's back in the area now. He, he moved down to take care of his mom and dad. I, I think he's closer to Smyrna, but uh, he he's the first guy to ever discover us, I guess you could say. Tom Long, a great, great friend, he and his wife Belinda, but anyway... We were trying to work with Capricorn Records at the time. It was 1976, I guess. And uh, so we, we kept going back and forth to Atlanta and making demos and things. And finally, uh, we were getting close to maybe getting something going. So they moved us down to Marietta uh, in 1977. Uh, we came down right after we got out of high school. You know what? This is a true story, boys. There used to be a place, y'all may remember, there was a couple, three cool places where uh, young, professional, unmarried people lived. <laughs> and one up, the one we stayed at was called the Sundown at the Oasis. Okay. Okay, and it was a gated, really a gated community because who stayed there was the Atlanta Braves and Falcons and the uh, the cheerleaders, all the Heck yeah, people. the cheerleaders, let's go. Yeah, no kidding, and believe me, we had a ball. And then you had your professional uh, news and radio people that were single, you know, and so it was basically a singles apartment complex. And we didn't, obviously, we didn't have the money to stay there because if they'd have gotten our apartments, they'd seen we were sleeping on mattresses. Wait a minute, Richard. And, uh, Richard, you, you're telling me you had the, the Braves 
the Falcons, the, all the cheerleaders, all the news and sports radio people, and uh, the Kentucky Headhunters all living in the same place in Atlanta, Georgia. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, sir. And, and the way we got to stay there and pay our rent is we would play the clubhouse a, a time or two a month. I mean, they had some big acts coming there, Chuck Berry, and different things. Wow. But, you know, on the times they didn't have that, they would let us play for the folks that, you know, come in and have drinks or whatever. That's the way we got to stay there. And then, you know, we had a we, way we traveled. All we had was a 22-foot step van. And it got to the point where, you know, it kind of sitting around with all these uh, Audis and Mercedes uh, sports cars, it didn't look good for the place. Oh, that's so, right. they, so we had we moved over to a, uh, a non-private place over in Smyrna on, on, uh, on the Smyrna Road. That, they would let us have that big old truck over there, but uh, <laughs> but we sure had a good time while we were there, and were things get of course what about that time that time in the fall, uh, uh, Capricorn was get closed its doors uh, for a while, and uh, and also on the night that uh, Ronnie Van Zant and those guys and Leonard Skinner when they went down uh, oh, wow. on the plane the next morning, we kind of looked at each other and we said, you know what is Nobody, they were carrying the torch. Nobody's going to sign Southern Rock right now. So we licked their wounds and packed up our, our red truck and came home. And then, uh, of course, in 1978, uh, we met uh, some of Led Zeppelin's people that ran their record company in New York, and they fell in love with the Itchy Brother group. We started working together, and we were going to be the first all-American band on Swan Song Records, Led Zeppelin's label, because they had Bad Company, they had uh, Maggie Bell, Pretty Things, and of course Led Zeppelin released all their albums. So it was quite a coup that was going to happen for a bunch of little boys from Kentucky, and uh, lo and behold, uh, a sad thing happened. John Bonham, the drummer, passed, and that dissolved that opportunity, and (laughs) guys, we just couldn't get a break. It just something happened all the time, but uh, if somebody would have told me in in uh, 1970s that we were going to put an album out and it was going to be released in country music and do what it did and change our lives, I would have laughed them out of the room. Yeah, we're talking with Richard Young of the Kentucky Headhunters. Was that about the same time that you were able to have lunch with Hank Aaron, your favorite Brave of all time? Well, he is my favorite, and I guess it's because I, I got to meet him. But we were, I'll tell you what happened is while we were in Atlanta, there was a fellow by the name of James Hunter. And I haven't seen James since then, but there's no telling what he does now. But he wrote for Creative Loafing. Tom Long and I met him for lunch for him to interview me for Creative Loafing about the Itchy Brother group. And and I should explain, though, Itchy Brother, the Headhunters, it's the same band. It just morphed into the other name in 1986 before we got signed in Nashville with an extra guy. Well, anyway, we went down to this kind of a neat restaurant. I don't recall the name of it. Uh, we were sitting talking to James, and and Tom said, "Well, there comes there comes Hank Aaron," and he came in and and uh, sat down, and and he actually I went over and and, and talked to him, and well, Tom asked him if he if I could meet him, and he said, "Well, yes." So he wound up pulling his chair over to our table and eating with us. That's awesome. It was great, man. Y'all, he was a giant. His hands were big as a baseball glove. 
Oh wow! He was he was such a big charismatic man. He was he had so much fire to him. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah no he, doubt. He could, he could have been a blues rock singer, man. That's cool. I mean, he he had a stage presence that just uh, you know wowed me. Yeah, and up, it, up, you up, know, and, up until the moment he died, he he did, and and I've been fortunate enough, Richard, to get to know his grandson Ray and and learned a lot of the stories about Hank Aaron through his grandson. And he says the same thing. He's just this huge charismatic personality, and everybody who met him absolutely loved Hank Aaron. So it makes so much sense that you're that way, too. Now, going to when y'all flipped the switch and became the Kentucky Headhunters. I mean, y'all had Dumas Walker. I can sing that song word for word because I've known it my whole life. Oh, Lonesome Me, such a great cover. Walk Softly on This Heart of Mine. I made Scott listen to it four times before we called you. (laughs) Just because it's one of my favorite, and it takes me back to growing up and listening to country music with my daddy, and and I've passed that on to my own son, who's say uh, seventeen now. But that's a double platinum album called "Picking on Nashville." What was Great it, record that? What was that experience like to go from zero to sixty in an nth of a second, or what seemed that way to me listening on the radio? Tug, it was. I gotta say, guys, we've been playing together twenty one years, and you know, for a little band from Kentucky. We'd seen a whole lot, you know, with the possibility of working with Capricorn and then, you know, working with the Swan Song Records folks, the Led Zeppelin's people. We kind of thought we had it together, and you never, never stop learning in life, you know. And so we, uh, what we started out doing, boys, is because we had such bad luck with trying to keep get a record deal, when we put the Headhunters together, well, we morphed into the Kentucky Headhunters in 1986. We decided that we would go back. And because like every other young band, we all love, we love the blues a lot. And we love, you know, 70s rock, uh, you know, Cream and Free and all those bands coming up, as well as the Beatles and the Stones even earlier. And uh, what what we learned from that is that they had picked up so much from the blues and from country and from, you know, jazz, everything. Uh, We were able to go back and and we said, let's just go back and, and start from scratch and let's learn really how to play a Howlin' Wolf song. Let's learn how to play a Muddy Water song or a Sonny Boy Williamson. Let's learn to do that. Albert King, B.B., Freddie, let's get it. You know, Albert Collins, whoever it was that was a, a big a buddy guy, a, a big blues artist. When we went even deeper back to Bessie Smith and people like that, and, and we schooled ourselves on that. And then we moved forward. And as we were moving forward to, to actually really that we were honing and creating our own sound at the time. And, uh, guys, I got to tell you something. When, when we grew up on the farm here in the 60s and 70s, you know, farms were different then. They didn't have the big machinery, so everybody uh, relied on a lot of muscle. And uh, so we had a lot of family farms around. You know, and and some of them were white folks, and some of them were African American families that owned the farm. So what everybody would do is everybody would get together, every farmer and their families, and they would light in on somebody's tobacco crop or something to cut it and put it in the harvest, you know, in the barn, harvest it to to, to uh, be able to help one another it. out. Yeah, and and what was cool about that is, I mean, what was uncool about it is we were like you know, 10 or 12 years old, and they wouldn't turn us loose with a tobacco knife or a spear. They said we'd hurt ourselves. So we got the worst job, which was dropping tobacco sticks. And what it was, you had these four-foot inch square sticks 
and you'd have to put them up on your shoulder, and they'd roll, and they'd, you'd get blood blisters. It was oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was torture for kids. But what we were getting out of that was back in those days, everybody sang in the fields. And, you know, you had some guys emulating uh, old Elvis or Johnny Cash or Hank Williams or uh, Lefty for Sale. And then you you had all these great uh, African-American spiritual gospel songs. And everybody, we've learned all this. It was soaking in, and we didn't realize it. But then when when we went back and and striped everything back and started really learning, you know, about the music, then – if we dawned on us, well, hey, man, that's that song that they used to sing when we cut the baca, you know? That's awesome. Like uh, uh, Irene, you know, by Lead Belly. Yeah. I didn't know that. We didn't know that when we were kids, you know. But it, it helped us create a very uh, original style, I guess. And then being from Kentucky, uh, it, it, uh, it we took on a, a whole different complexion because of our rural sensibilities growing up, you know, and, uh, you know, Tug was talking about Dumas Walker, you know, most of our songs that we write are about life experiences. Sure. Dumas was a real guy. He, uh, he actually was the marble champion of the world guys. That's awesome. It, isn't that great? I mean, he was like the Minnesota fats of marble for real. <laughs> That's or awesome. Tony. But he would, what it was is we lived right here in south central Kentucky. We're about 40 miles east of Bowling Green, where the Corvette plant is, and all that in Bowling Green. And uh, what it, they wouldn't let us have firecrackers, and uh, we didn't have, our, our area was dry. In other words, no alcohol sure. beverages sold. And so I guess they're afraid people get drunk and blow themselves up with firecrackers. <laughs> it seems like I don't know. Whatever it was, but. Uh, Anyway, so about 20 miles south of us at the Tennessee line was a place called Dumas Walkers. And our parents would take us down there before we could drive, and they would get us, uh, uh, you know, let us go get fireworks for July 4th or whatever. And as we got older and had driver's license, Daddy would send us to the feed mill to get the, you have hay and corn, and you grind that up for cow feed for the milk barn. And while they were grinding the feed at Southern States, we'd burn it in Daddy's truck down to Dumas's and get us some refreshment for the old music house we had. Slaw burger fries and a bottle of ski. Yeah, no, we 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 wasn't drinking no ski. We we drinking stoves, absolute <laughs> <laughs> ribbon or something, you know. But now speaking of, a lot of people ask, and we should tell the folks on there what ski is. A lot of people thought it was brewski, and a lot of people thought it was whiskey, but it's neither one, neither one. It. It's actually a citrus soft drink that's bottled out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, at Double Cola. See, I know and that because I'm from Dalton, Georgia, just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee. This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah, Georgia, servicing the historic downtown Savannah area, the island area, and Atlanta's beach, beautiful Tybee Island, Georgia. Call Joel Solomon today, 912-604-0896. That's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the Georgia coast. Braves Country also sponsored by Smith's Old Bar, best live music venue in Atlanta since 1994, located in the heart of Midtown at 1578 Piedmont Avenue. Smith's Old Bar is a neighborhood joint for everyone. Check out smithsoldbar.com for the current concert calendar and tickets. See y'all at Smith's. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. 
And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. A lot of people ask, and we should tell folks on air what ski is. A lot of people thought it was brewski, and a lot of people thought it was whiskey, but it's neither one, neither one. It It's actually a citrus soft drink that's bottled out of Chattanooga, Tennessee at Double Cola. See, I know and that because I'm from Dalton, Georgia, just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee. There you go, and y'all could get some ski. Yes, sir. And, we got some here and, in the studio. Uh, yeah, and and uh, we would, you know, uh, Greensburg, Kentucky, which was another part of the 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 song, is a it was a place called the Greasy Spoon, about eighteen miles from here. And we used to play up at a place called Club Sixty Eight and Eleven back. And of course, the reason it was famous is before the I sixty five interstate, sixty eight was the main road from north to south, and you know everybody played there, Ike and Tina. All your great R&B acts, you know, played there, and you know we got to open for some of the some of the later acts, you know, that played it there. And and on our way home, we'd stop at the Greasy Spoon, and it's the all night diner, and uh, stayed open. They served slaw burgers, fries, ski, and chili, and man, it was it good. Now I got to tell you now, the slaw burger thing, I'm a little burnt out on because when we first came out that song, Every, I bet everybody wanted to give you one. Everybody wanted to give us a bottle. Everybody, well, I couldn't get ski everywhere. Right, but the but, slaw burger, you could. Oh yeah, no, we, we'd have like the, they'd have lunch for us at the shows, and they'd always have slaw burgers. That's right. <laughs> That's how they do. So That's how they do. You yeah. know. Yeah, but, you know, they don't do it anymore much. Right. But well, that's because well, y'all got new music out, man. You got a, a new album called That's a Fact, Jack. It came out in October of 2021 on Practice House Records. Uh, thank you so much for sending us a copy. Fun, upbeat. Tell us about making that record and the reaction that you've gotten from fans that love the Kentucky Headhunters. Well, it, to be honest with you, boys, I'll back up a little bit. 2020 was... a was a terrible, terrible time for not just us musicians, but everybody worldwide. And the way it affected us is, you know, all of our shows had to be moved or canceled because we only got to play eight that year. And so we moved them to 2021, a lot of them. And they were a lot going to be in February and March starting out, which is usually you don't do that much this time of year. But we were fortunate enough. We had eight or nine shows each month, and they all started moving to the fall because of the COVID restrictions. So we just looked at each other and said, look, we got to be a band. I mean, we can, we got, you know, we're all living apart from each other and all this stuff. And we should we should all get together in the studio and make an album and, uh, that's exactly what we did. We went in mid-February for a couple of weeks, 
And we went in cold because we hadn't been able to get together. So we all just had scribblings on paper and, uh, you know, maybe little uh, little cassette tapes that we'd made at home of things ourselves. And uh, so the first day in, it was a little strange because we hadn't, we hadn't much more than, you know, my brother, of course, we live on the farm. We saw each other every day. And Greg just lives over in Glasgow. But we hadn't actually been together uh you know, for, for like months as a band, and you can't do do that, you know, especially when you live a stone's throw from each other. Yeah, right. And uh, so we just went in and took our, we rolled the dice, you know, hopefully we don't get this stuff. We went in with our engineer, David, and uh, just, you know, started writing songs on the spot, and as we would get one done, we would we would record it right then so it was fresh, you know, and had, had spontaneity to it. And uh, I got something we've done different. You know, people always say, and no matter who it is, that every time they make an album, oh, it's the best one we've ever made. You know, and but uh, of course that's not necessarily true. But I will say this about this album: I think it has uh, an uncovered heart of the Headhunters that we have not exposed before. Because you remember how we used to get a Beatles album and. And Ringo would sing, George would sing, Paul and John, everybody sang on those albums. And, you know, it got then to the point where you had this one guy, lead singer, or two guys that did it. And so we went in this time, and we decided that we were going to all write and sing songs. Because Doug and I do most of the the bass player, Doug and I do most of the uh, singing up until this point. So Fred had written a song about going to England. And uh, for our first time when we landed in London, and it was really, you know, we were very infatuated with uh, uh, of the, with the Carnaby Street and the Twiggy. We were all had a crush on Twiggy. Y'all remember her? Oh, yeah. And you know, and so Fred, when we he wrote about our first experience. You know, I told you earlier that John Fred, my son, and yes, Black only had gotten us gigs. Well, we wound up getting gigs in in the UK too. We've been over three times in the past five years and played eight shows. I love it. Love that you're still doing it. So awesome. We're talking with Richard Young of the Kentucky Headhunters on the Braves Country Podcast. And, Richard, after uh, That's a Fact Jack came out, the Kentucky Headhunters made your big debut on the Grand Ole Opry, December 2nd, 2021. Uh, Richard, after all these years of music and travel, what was it like for the Kentucky Headhunters to finally play at the Grand Ole Opry? Well, I, I got to tell you, it's one of the milestones. We've got to do a lot of nice things, like riding the Macy's Day Parade and play Davy Crockett on a, you know, a float, and uh, you know, we played Radio City Music Hall and a lot Dang. of different things, neat stuff that we considered milestones over the years, including making albums with the great, great Johnny Johnson, the pianist for Chuck Berry. But you know, let me tell you how this all came about. So in 1990 is when we first came out with our first album, uh, we released a song. We took a, a bluegrass song and jazzed it up into a southern rock song called Walk Softly. And it was written, it was our first single, and it was written by Bill Monroe, the bluegrass great, and Jake Landers from out from Muscle Shows. And uh, it came out and it blew up pretty good. So Bill Monroe got the idea. He said, I need to get these boys on the opera to do that. And in all honesty, guys, we were a little too rough and ready in 1990 for the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, not us. We were a little 
little too rock for country. Yeah, they weren't ready for y'all quite yet. Yeah, I heard. They Roy, I heard quite ready for the headhunter. I heard no. Roy Acuff. Uh, Ray, Roy Acuff didn't like how your haircuts looked. Well, here's what here's what happened. So Bill went and talked to Roy and some of them about it, and Roy said, "You know, uh, Bill, they're probably fine boys and would do a great job." But before we get them on there, let's go get them some clothes and get their hair cut. <laughs> it's, I love it. We got it, buddy. Needless to say, <laughs> it it never happened. So we never asked again, and they never asked us. So, uh, and of course, the band became more and more southern rock and blues that went along. And but you know, guys, a, a strange thing is I was going to tell you, Mister Ake, uh, he was he was probably right. You know, uh, I can see his point, you know. Interesting. I mean, hey, you couldn't have brought the Rolling Stones on, on the Grand Ole Opry in 1990. Yeah. No, you're well, right about that. maybe the Rolling Stones, but you know what I'm you know what yeah, I'm it was just, Yeah, it, it, was just, it, was, it was just a different mindset, and it was a different uh, different time for music. Different era. Yeah, Absolutely. it is. Yeah, and Thanks. Things have great so much, fellas. You know, nowadays, uh, when we did play the Grand Ole Opry, it was a great experience. Hey, listen, uh, uh, we went in there, and they, since it had been 30 years since we were asked the first time, they decided they were going to make a little EPK about us being there all day. That's cool. And, but you, they cut it down pretty short, but we got to tell folks for a hoot, you got to go. You got to go to YouTube and look at the Kentucky Headhunters' performance at the Grand Ole Opry. I can tell you what I'm going to do right when we wrap up here. We're talking to uh, Richard Young of the Kentucky Headhunters. Another big honor y'all have had is the state of Kentucky officially renamed Kentucky Highway 640 in Metcalf County as the Kentucky Headhunters Band Highway. I'm sure that's quite an honor for y'all. Like up there yeah, with the Opry. The- yeah, yeah, that's another milestone. It's actually I got to tell you something funny about it. Uh, is I live at the crossroads at Wisdom. When our when our grandmother uh, passed, Cindy, Cindy and I moved out to Wisdom. It's it's about a mile from our our farm, and uh, it's right on the cross crossroads of sixty eight and six forty. Well, six forty is Kentucky Headhunter Highway. It's that, but the state the state num- number for it is six forty. But anyway, so. It, 641 way runs to Highway 70 from the crossroads, and the other one runs to Highway 90. And so what happened was uh, when they came out, the governor and everybody came out here to the house at Wisdom, and we had a had a ski, and we had, you know, Absolutely. sandwiches and stuff for everybody, local folks. The mayor was here, and, and the governor and everybody, and all the senators and representatives and all that. And so they put the one sign out in the yard. My wife's got a flower garden behind the house, and you can drive by down the road, and you can see that sign in our yard. That's awesome. Well, they also took one down to Highway 70, and then they took one over to uh, Highway 90, where you turn off to come up toward my house. And this good old buddy of ours, Vernon Dale Grissom, God rest his soul, passed away he helped us write a few songs along the way, and he was there, and he talked really more country to me, and he said, $5 says them two signs will be gone by tomorrow morning. Somebody going to have them hanging in the living room. Worse than that, the barbecue place has got <laughs> one of them <laughs> over Glasgow. That's awesome. Uh, hey, 
they, they didn't last 24 hours, the that's, ones on the main road. That's fantastic. And I, I went over to this barbecue place over in Glasgow to get something for my wife and I for supper one night, and I looked up, and there's Kentucky Headhunters Highway. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be a good it. feeling, though. That's got to be a hey, good that, feeling. Hey, if, if they didn't get it, then we must not be worth getting. That's right, <laughs> yeah. and you clearly are. Hey, Richard Young, yeah. uh, you know, we, we have so much to talk with you about, and uh, we, we only have a couple of more minutes left, and uh, we might have to have you come back on later this season or in the future and uh, do another episode with us because, man, so much history the with you guys. stories and are I think, incredible, and I think, the authenticity uh, is even better. Yeah, before we let you go, though, I know you wanted to talk more about your friendship and recordings with Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Johnny Johnson. you want to tell us a little bit about that in the, in the minutes yeah, that we have we, left here? We were, we were very fortunate. If you you know if you Google it you'll find out you know there was a movie done about Chuck Berry Johnny Johnson was a great rock and roll pianist and he was actually a jazzer too so one night uh, one night uh, on New Year's Eve uh, there's this little skinny kid had been asking to play with him and so his sax player got sick and he uh, Johnny didn't have a Johnny Johnny Johnson trio is what it was they didn't have a guitar player so when the sax player got sick then uh Johnny said called up this kid who was Chuck Berry and said well come on over and play with us tonight so he did and Chuck was so flamboyant and and his stage presence was just unbelievable and he actually would get up and sing some own songs that night that he had written so Johnny was smart enough said Hey, I'm a piano player, and it's my band, but i got to get this kid. So eventually it became Chuck Berry, and all of oh Johnny's my. band became his band. That's well, cool. Well, when they did a documentary on this, uh, you know, his life, and uh, it's called Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. If you like rock and roll and you have never and Chuck Berry, you've got to see this. But So Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones was asked to put together a, tra- a Cracker Jack band to back all these artists that were going to come and sing. Uh, at the end, they had a grand finale at the big uh, theater there in East St. Louis. And uh, so so Keith said, well, I'll do it, but I want, I want, to, I want to put Johnny Johnson and Chuck Berry back together. Because they had they had actually, you know, as time went by, they, you know, Johnny didn't want to run up and down the road, you know, and and of course Chuck was uh, famous for just take, picking his guitar up and putting on a plane and pick up, you know, get pickup bands to do it. I mean, if there's one place in there where actually they interviewed Bruce Springsteen, who got to be his backup band, you know, one time up in New Jersey. So anyway. Keith put the band together, he and Eric Clapton and NRBQ, the New Rhythm and Blues Quartet, along with others. And, they, you know, they had Julian Lennon on it, Linda Ronstadt, Etta James, the list on and on it performed. Well, after this, Keith and Eric Clapton got together with NRBQ, and they did Johnny's first ever solo album for Electra Nonsuch in New York. And so it went so well and so well received uh, and uh, critically and financially that Nancy Jeffries at Electra wants to do it again. So, uh, you know, since they had already done it, then, uh, you know, Keith recommended to Nancy, said, you know, uh, why don't you get the Kentucky Headhunters? They're, they're bluesologists. They, you know, they know this stuff in and out. They're, they're a close band and uh, have them write the songs with Johnny and, and uh, record them and produce the album. 
so we did that, and the album came out, and it was a, it was a big splash. It did great. As a matter of fact, uh, we got a call one night from LaVon Helm from the band. And he wow. said, Richard, he said, he said, we just cut one of y'all's songs y'all wrote with Johnny. He said, then we're going to put it out on our new album. And I go, who is this? <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> Somebody, who is this? That's so funny. <laughs> but we became great friends after that with LaVon and, and Rick Danko. Matter of fact, when we did a tour uh, up and uh, we went to New York and played the Lone Star Roadhouse. Mark Cooperman with Johnny. We went out to the East Coast and West Coast. Did you know some big shows? Sure. We did Conan O'Brien. And uh, but anyway, when the lights came on in the Lone Star in New York City, it was like a cattle call of rock stars. Wow! It was nerve wracking because you know the Stones were there. Uh, good Lord, uh, everybody you could think of that was in town at that time was there to see, not us, Johnny John. Yeah, but y'all were part of it, which is cool. Well, I'm telling you, I'm glad. It was nerve-wracking, you know, to have all your, your idols out there watching yeah. you play all of a sudden yeah. for the first time. But anyway, you know, that went great, and we became instant friends. Johnny and his wife, Frances, were like Uncle Johnny and Aunt Frances. Johnny would come down to the farm, stay at Mama's and Daddy's, and Mama would cook him country ham, red-eyed gravy, and biscuits. And Son, that's, that's living right liked. there. And rum cake, that was his favorite. And uh, anyway, we were doing our soul album uh, uh, a few years later, and uh, we, uh, no, it's, yeah, yeah, it was about nine, yeah, yes, it was a little later. But anyway, uh, we recorded the old, we wanted to record the old Freddie King song we played forever called Have You Ever Loved a Woman? It was written by Billy Miles, of course. And uh, we knew we couldn't do it right without Johnny on piano. So we called Aunt Francis, and Johnny Johnny was out with the Stones. He'd been out doing guest appearances, walking out, playing on Honky Tonk Women, I think, you know, every night. Yeah. And it was the last night, and they were at the Reliance Stadium in Houston. And uh, I got Johnny on the phone and told him what we wanted to do. And he said, man, I'll be there. Let me change my ticket to Louisville, and y'all pick me up. So in the meantime, Francis told me that Johnny was not to be with us long. He had a, a type of cancer, oh my and she said, "I want when you get him there that you uh, you keep him." And he said, "You record. Let him go out to your mom's and eat anything that causes high blood pressure. I don't care, <laughs> but let him have fun. Let him smoke cigars." But Francis didn't like it. Johnny to have cigars, and I'd give him one, and then. Uh, but most of all, I want you to record and write some new songs because he he won't get to do it again. So oh we did. And oddly enough, I took the multi-track tapes and I stuck them in my tape room. And I said, "When Francis, when you want us to release this, we'll release it. And uh, so she called me one day and said, Richard, I'm not doing too good myself. said, let's let's. Let's get this album out before I'm not here to enjoy hearing it. Wow. So uh, I, we went in the studio, and guys, we actually we were recording an album. We stopped what we were doing to record this music. We recorded and wrote it in three days. And I thought when we pulled the tapes out and baked them that we're probably going to have to do a lot of fiction and work and, you know, rethinking yeah, and whatever. Yeah, sure. God so helped me on my life, y'all. Every note was there. It had to be nice, God. the good it. Lord. The good Lord knew what he was doing. <laughs> yep. And he so, always uh, does. He always we does. We mixed it, and uh, I called Bruce Eaglar up at Alligator Records, and I said, Bruce, I want to send you something, and I want you to put it out. 
And so he he got the he got a copy of the mix and he flipped and uh, you know because that's where it needed to be was on Alligator, the great blues label, and uh, you know it just it was just such a great period. I always say Sounds this, like and I didn't coin this phrase. Conan O'Brien's band coined this phrase. Uh, is there's you know there's our band before Johnny and our band after. Mm. Because he did something, he brought something, and these are these. You watch that Hell Hell Rock and Roll movie, which I will. You you know you see him pointing at Clapton and Keith Richards, going, "No, no, no, you got to play it like this right here." <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know, wow. You know, he was really a big part of goodness Chuck gracious success at that point. Richard you know? Young of the Kentucky Headhunters. We've got to uh, wrap it up here, but there's so many stories that that I want to ask you about, and I'm sure there's so many stories that I don't even know that I can't wait to hear, and I hope you'll come back on the, yes, the Braves sir. Country podcast here on the Atlanta Braves Radio Network and talk about uh, your, your living there in the in the apartment with all the ballplayers and the times you got to spend with Hank Aaron. But I want to encourage everybody to go visit KentuckyHeadhunters.com. For more information, music, videos, and all that sort of stuff, go watch Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. Go watch uh, on YouTube the Headhunters on the Grand Ole Opry. Richard, you're welcome to come anytime you'd like to visit if you're in town in Atlanta. You join us here at the ballpark at the Braves Radio Network, and we'll talk about music and Braves and tours. And and uh, we just want you to know that uh, you're a part of the Braves country family now. Thank you again, and go Braves. Well, thank you very much, and I hope to get down in the area soon. Uh, now, uh, uh, boys, when will this air so I can have uh, my friends in Atlanta listen? Well, uh, I'll have to get the air date from the network and get it back to you, and we'll make sure you know uh, Exactly okay, because I want to make sure that all the kids that I mentioned that you know moved to yeah. Georgia, you know, get to uh, get to hear this. Okay, as Probably. well as a you know fan base, we want to put it up on our socials if it's okay. That'd be oh, great, man. Be Thank great. you. Yeah, it'll probably be. It might be about a month or so, but it, it'll come. We record them pretty far out, so we'll. But we'll okay, get well, it'll probably be about the time that see the Grand Ole Opry won't air till April twenty third. Okay, oh, that's because, perfect. Uh, See, well, here's the thing is, you know, it was, we did it December, so they already had all their holiday programming going on, mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. So with that said, uh, we, we they had to move it forward. But I'm telling you, y'all get a hoot out of this when you watch I it. I can't wait I'm to see it. You. Can't wait to well, see it. Well, listen, guys, I'll get off of here. I know I've warned y'all. Not at all, man. <laughs> Look, if we, if. If we could go on, we would. But I know y'all got a lot going on too, and we don't want to uh, capitalize on your time. We just appreciate you spending time with us. Yeah, man, that's okay. I'm getting ready to do two uh, uh, Zoom calls. That's in, what I in heard. The UK with some. Uh, I have to do Zoom over there because they can't hardly understand what I'm saying, and I can't understand. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so funny. Have to read lips. That's <laughs> right. It's so funny because growing up in Dalton, Georgia, Northwest Georgia, I've got that. Uh, Appalachian accent, just like you do, and and you right. said some things that remind me of my mom and daddy, and my aunts and uncles that are in in Dalton and Chattanooga and up in uh, you know in in East Tennessee, and gosh, man, it just uh, it, it's it's just very comforting for me. Well, and listen, you boys, uh, Scott, thank you so much for helping me get this get on here, and Tug, so great to, to speak yes, sir. to you. You too, and uh, y'all be sure and check out. The Georgia Thunderbolts. You need to know about them because right. now they've got some kind of event coming up. Uh, it's it's like uh, where they ride these uh, 
you know, sometimes something must be. Oh, the ATV, uh, the ATV thing or whatever, where they go. Yeah, right. side by side. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, uh, PJ, the singer for the Thunderbolts, is going to sing a national anthem. At that. Wow, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, but y'all need to check that out. We will. You'd like them too, man. And then also the Blackstone Cherry, my son's band. Yeah, well, yeah, we can't wait to check them all out. Scott already has. He's just been, uh, been telling, he's been about telling him, me yeah. about it, so I can't wait to listen to it. And, you know, when you guys yeah. come down here and play Georgia, I see you got a couple of amphitheater shows. Tug and I try to get by to one of them. Man, those. that'd be awesome. Yeah, well, we're hoping to get down. We're going to we're gonna be in Athens now. I don't know how far that is from y'all. About an hour and a uh, half, maybe. Oh, is it? Okay. That's all right. It's over That's, all right. That's where Georgia is. How about them dogs? Well, you know what is... Uh, we actually, uh, it's, it's the Innovation Amphitheater. Okay. Yes. And we're, we're, we're going to have, we're we're gonna have the Georgia Thunderbolts opening for us. That'll there be great. Go. It's actually in a little town called Winder. You yes, know where sir. that is? Yes, sir. I absolutely do. Okay. And I'm going to tell y'all the date just so y'all write it down here and don't forget. Winder yeah, is on write this down, September Friday, September 23rd, us and the Georgia Thunderbolts will be at Innovation Amphitheater. And we'll all be there, too, brother. Man, I hope you can, and let me know so I can make arrangements for y'all and everything. That'd be great. great. Richard, thank you so much. Enjoy the uh, time, and and, uh, you tell them uh, folks over there in the U.K. what it's supposed to be all about. Okay, did Boone get you the album? Yes, sir. Okay, you know who, hey, Scott, you know who Boone is. Uh, He's a little guitar player for Otis. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love that band, Otis. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it. Uh, I think that they played some shows with some of the bands you work with and everything. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a show at that old theater there in Glasgow that you guys came in and did the thing with the with the Blackberry Smoke guys. And I think Otis yeah, was on it too. Yeah, it was the Otis boys. Yeah, and you know we had to play that weekend. Bummed me out. I couldn't be there. Hey, thank you, boys. Yes, I've sir. enjoyed it. And, Us uh, too. Let's speak again soon. I let's sure do, hope man. so. Safe thank you, Richard. Richard. Take care, man. God bless okay. you. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Bye, baby. See ya. This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah, Georgia, servicing the historic downtown Savannah area, the island area, and Atlanta's beach, beautiful Tybee Island, Georgia. Call Joel Solomon today, 912-604-0896. That's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the Georgia coast. Braves Country also sponsored by Smith's Old Bar, best live music venue in Atlanta since 1994, located in the heart of Midtown at 1578 Piedmont Avenue. Smith's Old Bar is a neighborhood joint for everyone. Check out smithsoldbar.com for the current concert calendar and tickets. See y'all at Smith's. Braves Country supports the Warrior Alliance and the Shepherd's Men, two phenomenal veteran organizations based in the South. Check out thewarrioralliance.org and shepherdsmen.com for more info and resources. That's thewarrioralliance.org and shepherdsmen.com. Braves Country would like to thank all of our nation's great veterans. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money 
are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. 